Um, we're going to continue our distracted uh, series this morning, but before we do, I want to just share with you a little encounter uh, that I had earlier this morning with uh, Jacob, our director of Next Generation Ministries. Jacob takes care of the kids and the youth here in the church. Well, I came in today, and, and most of you know this is my favorite time of the year. I mean, it's cold. It's getting cold. I, I love building fires, and you know, spent a lot of time in in the mountains of North Carolina, and I just love this time of the year. So I came in. I got my sweater vest on. All right, um, I got a hundred of them, and uh, and I came in, and, and and Jacob just looks at me, and he goes, "Corduroys," and I said, "Yeah, man, corduroys are back," and he looked at me, and he went, "Are they?" So more more generational tension um, here in the church. Can y'all hear me? Okay, just making sure. All right, we're going to continue our distracted uh, series this morning uh, by focusing and fixing our eyes um, away from corduroys and, and toward what matters most, okay? Uh, last week, if you were here, you know we talked about the discipline uh, of slowing, okay? Slowing things down in our lives, of intentionally reducing the flow of what's coming at us to limit distraction, and therefore protect our priorities. How many of you had an opportunity to do some of that slowing this past week that I challenged you to do? A number of you. How did that go? Yeah, it's not easy, is it? To, to, to pinch the pipeline and reduce the flow today of what's coming at us. It's a lot easier, obviously, for me to talk about it up here than it is to put into practice. When it comes to distraction, I'll be honest with you, the struggle has been real for me um, as of late, especially these last couple weeks. Um, we had the surprise surgery uh, for, for Kim um, two weeks ago, uh, right as we were beginning this series, and then sort of it's been one thing kind of after another, you know, it's like squirrel, and I'm just chasing it, you know, I'm going everywhere. Um, it's almost as if the enemy, you know, said, so Phil, you're going to be preaching on distraction, are you? <laughs> well, you better buckle up and hold on for the ride, and that's kind of where I am. And I say that to say this, when we begin to address these issues in our lives, and we begin to really turn our attention to fixing our eyes first and foremost on the author and the perfecter of our faith, the enemy is not going to sit by idly. And he's going to be, be, begin throwing more and more distraction your way. And that's exactly what he's been doing uh, with me in the last few, few weeks. Uh, and the reality is, as, as I mentioned last week, we live in a sea of distraction Today And if we're not careful, the enemy will use that distraction to keep us from moving forward in our faith. Distraction, as I mentioned last week, literally means no traction. No traction. And so all these trivial things that vie for our attention every day will have us spinning our wheels and going nowhere if we don't get a handle on them. Last Sunday we talked about how Jesus did just that, how he got a handle on distraction in his life. We talked about the fact that when things begin to swirl around Jesus, 
He pulled away. Each and every time we saw that pattern in his life, when too many people were coming at him, when there was too much going on around him and the disciples, he pulled away to slow the flow. And he limited access to himself so that he could focus on the Father. And so we need to do the exact same thing in our lives. And that's where we ended last week. And today I want to move from the discipline of slowing to the discipline of simplifying to limit distraction in our lives. In other words, losing unnecessary layers in our lives so that we can focus more fully on what matters most. How many of you feel the need to simplify in your life? I mean, you're just like, man, things are just too complex. I need to lose some of this. I need to simplify. You know, most of us, I think, today would say that. Because the more we accumulate, whether it's in our closets or on our calendars, the more complicated life becomes. Is anybody familiar with Marie Kendo? I think that's the way you pronounce Is that the way you pronounce her name? Kondo? Is it Kondo? Okay, Marie Kondo. You see, I'm, I'm really tuned into this. But I know one thing about her. Um, she has a, no, a show on Netflix, I think it's called Tidying Up, um, and, and I believe she's a little, I think she's a Japanese uh, lady. Um, how many of you know what her litmus test is for getting rid of things or throwing things out in your life? Does it spark joy? Yeah. So that's, she just, I mean, she's just getting right down, you know, to the sim, most simplistic deal. So if you're going through stuff in your closet, you're going through stuff in your drawer, you pull it out and you say, oh man, does this pair of underwear spark joy? You know, I mean, it's like, mm, I mean, she's making a living off of this too. Um, yeah, she says, if it doesn't spark joy, then get rid of it. How many of you have tried that? Anybody be honest? Yeah, Stephanie, I, yeah, Caroline, I thought you had. Yeah. So, and, and how did it work? Pretty good? Pretty good? I mean, were some items kind of more difficult than others to figure out if this sparks joy? Yeah. You know, it kind of backfired on Kim and I um, recently. Uh, you've heard me talk about this in the past. We've got a walk-in attic in our house. Uh, Kim's looking at me like, don't go there. And it is just full of stuff. I mean, you, you've heard me share this in the past. I mean, full of stuff. Um, and it's gotten worse. I think I, I talked about this about eight or nine months ago when we were about to clean it out. It's gotten worse. So last week, it's gotten so bad that last week we actually, we were looking for some blackout curtains. We needed some blackout curtains in, in the guest room in, in the house. And we're thinking, man, we need to run to Target and get some blackout curtains. I said, wait a minute. Let's go shopping in the attic. <laughs> and so literally we went up in the attic. And guess what we found? Three sets of blackout curtains. So now we just have a little, little basket. Like when you walk in Walmart or whatever, you know, right, at, right there before you go in the walk-in ask, you just grab your little basket and you go shopping in there when you need something. 
It, I mean, it's just turned into a catch-all for everything. You know, the kids' keepsakes, their kindergarten drawings. Is anybody hearing me? Yeah. Uh, still got tons of mom's things in there. Um, seasonal decorations. The thing that gets me that I don't really understand, we have 87 suitcases. I exa- am exaggerating. It, it feels like that. But literally, I bet we have 25 or 30 suitcases. Over the years, it's like we get new suitcases, we don't throw the old ones away. I, you name it. I mean, it's in there. It's really gotten to the point of almost that area in our house has kind of reached hoarder level. And so we, you know, um, we'll, we'll clean it out every five years or so. Um, but this time we've decided that the idea of cleaning it out doesn't spark joy. And so we got rid of that idea altogether. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You know, our attic is a vivid reminder, really, uh, of all the layers that we accumulate over a lifetime. The stuff that stacks up around us, that distracts us from the main thing. Not just physical stuff, mind you, but emotional and spiritual baggage that can weigh us down. The more that we add to our lives, the more that we accumulate, the more we have to manage, and the more distracted that we become, and therefore the more we have to worry about also in our lives. If you've got your Bibles with you this morning, I want us to kind of jump into this in Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus, I believe, at the heart of it in in this portion of the Sermon on the Mount is speaking to simplifying our lives. And so in Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 25, Jesus says this. He says, therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or about your body, what you're going to wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes. He says, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't store away in barns, and let your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? that They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? He says, O oh, ye of little faith. So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? He says, for the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. And when we're evaluating what needs to stay and what needs to go, In our lives, we need to make sure that we're putting first things first. Seeking first His kingdom and His righteousness. C.S. Lewis 
speaks to this, and he speaks to the danger of not heeding Jesus' words here and putting first things first in our lives. Lewis put it this way. He said, put first things first, and you get second things thrown in. Put second things first, and you lose both first and second things. You know, when we do clean our attic out, and we actually do, uh, we take everything out of it, and it's a job. That's why we procrastinate on it. But we take everything out piece by piece. We make three piles. We make a keep pile, we make a giveaway pile, and we make a throwaway pile. If it doesn't add value to us or to someone else, man, we try to get rid of it. The reality is we need to do that very thing in every aspect of our lives. Regularly evaluating to make sure we're keeping the main thing the main thing. To make sure that His kingdom and His righteousness stay at the top of our list. Let me ask you something this morning. What are you putting first in your life? I mean, really. What are you putting first in your life? Is it first things? His kingdom? His righteousness? Or is it second things? And the greatest challenge today is all the second things that are swirling around us. All the second things that we can so easily reach for. The next rung on the career ladder. Our smartphones, as we had talked about last week. Being inundated with social media, with sports, with politics. Man, and get ready for that. Because here it comes. We reach for money. For more stuff. For bigger houses, for bigger attics. Second things easily become first things when we lose sight of what matters most. And do an inventory of your life this week and put things in their proper place. Paul reminds us in Romans chapter 8, verses 5 and 6, the importance of doing this. He says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is what? Death. Stuff. Possessions. Wood, hay, and stubble. He said, man, when we're fixed on that, when that becomes the first thing in our life, he said, it leads to death. But he says, set the mind on the Spirit, and that will lead to life and peace. And anxiety is at the highest level in our culture today than, than it has ever been in, in modern history. And I think a big part of it has to do with this, man. We've got our minds fixed and set on the wrong things. And God didn't design them for that. He designed our minds to be fixed and set on Him, on the things of the Spirit. And it is only then that we'll find peace in Him. 
put first things first. And then as you seek to simplify as a follower of Jesus, I think it is so important for us to believe that we have everything we need. As a follower of Jesus Christ, all that God has poured into us through Jesus' finished work on the cross and ultimately His resurrection where He is seated at God's right hand, through that, when we enter into Christ by faith, repent of our sin, receive His forgiveness, God tells us when you do that in Christ, you have absolutely everything you need. Peter put it this way. He said, His divine power has given us Everything we need for what? Life and godliness. Through what? Our knowledge of Christ who called us by His own glory and goodness. Man, as God's child, there is nothing that you need that God has not or will not provide. In Christ, we're fully forgiven. We are completely restored. We're indwelled by the Holy Spirit. We possess, the Bible tells us, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. God has given us absolutely everything that we need for this life and for the life to come. For the practical that comes at us every day and for the spiritual. The question is, do we believe that? Do you believe that? Do you believe that God has given you everything you need? Do you believe, as we just sang, that Christ is enough? You know, we say we believe that, but most of us don't live like we believe that. We try to pour lesser things into the empty places in our lives, into the places that only Christ can fill. Instead of allowing God's presence and God's power to satisfy us, we reach for shallow substitutes to distract us from our emptiness. And the most fundamental way to simplify your life is to believe God's Word. <laughs> is to take God at His Word and believe that you actually do have everything that you need in Christ. Do you believe that? And if we do, let's start living like we believe it. And stop pouring those lesser things into the empty places in our lives. Put first things first. Believe you have everything that you need. And finally, and this is a big one, man. Learn to be content. Anybody struggle with that? I must be the only one. <laughs> Part and parcel of the human condition, discontent. Paul told Timothy this, he said, But godliness with contentment is great gain.
For we brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Will we? Are we? Learn to be content. And our tendency is to add layers to our lives. Layers that distract us from what matters most. We live in a culture that is driven by excess. A culture that is driven by the message of lack. You lack this. You lack that. You need this. You need that. To be respected. To have value. To have worth. To have standing in society. And so we buy that lie. And then we buy the latest shiny thing to scratch an itch that only God can scratch. Most of us don't need another layer added to our lives. Most of us need to subtract. We need to simplify. We need to learn to be content. Discontent drives our culture, and it drives our economy. And it drives us away from what matters most. Socrates put it this way. He said, He who is not contented with what he has will not be contented with what he would like to have. Amen? It's a carrot on a stick. You never get there. Yet we are drawn to the shallow substitutes that distract us from the one place that life is found. In Christ and in Christ alone. The psalmist said this, Lord, You alone are my portion and my cup. And you give me everything I need. In other words, it says, you have made my lot secure. He provides all we need and He protects all that matters most in our lives. Jesus is calling us to Himself. He's calling us to simplify our lives and be satisfied in Him. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me will never thirst again. Let me challenge you this week to Hit the pause button. Continue to slow the flow and do an inventory of your life. Clean out your attic. Put first things first. And believe that you already have everything you need in Christ. And learn to be content. Let's bow our heads.
Father, I pray that uh, this message would penetrate, Lord, the layers in our lives, uh, the layers that this culture tends to continually add to our lives. I pray, Father, that you would allow us to fix our eyes on you, to simplify our lives to such a degree that we're able to seek you first, to seek your kingdom, to seek your righteousness, to align our lives with the things of the kingdom, to align our calendars with the places you would have us to be, and the people, Father, that you would have us to be with. Lord, we thank you for all that you've done for us in Christ Jesus. We thank you for the forgiveness that we find in him. We thank you for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that gives us the capacity to change, that gives us the power, Lord, to prioritize what matters most in our lives. And I pray this week as we move forward, Lord, you would help us to do just that. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.